Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning, Island Church. We're serving a mighty God. We're serving a powerful God. We are serving a mighty, powerful God. 20 years, somebody is getting older. It's not me. It must be Roland. (laughs) But God is so good. I'm so thankful for my relationship with you. I honor you. I love you. I bless you. The staff of this great church, the leadership, but especially your pastors. How many of you love and appreciate pastors Rusty and Leah? Amen. I'm so glad I got to come back one more time to Island Church here at Galveston Island. And the Bible tells us in Job 22, verse 30, and the island shall be delivered, and it shall be delivered by the pureness of your hands. How many of you believe that this great island shall be delivered from sin, sickness, poverty? It's because of you, the people of God. Amen. Oh, God is good. God is good. I feel good today. I feel good. Thank you. Say it again. If I had my camera, I would record that. Hallelujah. Ah, we're serving a lovely Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel good. I feel good. Now, I know we don't go by feelings. Is that right? We walk by faith and not by sight. But I feel good. I love to feel like I feel like I do right now. I feel a James Brown anointing coming on. He said, wow, I feel good. (laughs) Oh, God is good. Well, how many have your Bibles with you this morning? Why don't you hold them up high and say this after me, please? Say, I'm a warrior for the Lord. With my two-edged sword. I'm armed and dangerous with the Word of God. Jesus is my Lord. This is my sword. I'm going to stand my ground, and every enemy is coming down. Amen. Oh, God is good. God is good. God is good. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's holy Word? I'm going to do my best not to preach long today. As I said before, blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be heard again. Amen. <laughs> but Acts chapter 2, if you would please. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, say that word please. Say it again. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. 
And if at all the house where they were sitting, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it said upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in this portion of Scripture, we find at least four things that happen. Number one, they heard something. Number two, they saw something. Number three, they felt something. And number four, they spoke something. And when the power of the Spirit comes upon you, something is going to happen. I'm talking about it's time to be filled with the Spirit. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word is life-giving. Your word is life-changing. Father, we believe today because of your holy word, we will never, ever be the same again. We thank you. Now we bless you. And all of God's people said together, amen. amen. That sounded good. You better say it again. Amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Bible declares... And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians 3 verse 19, be filled with all the fullness of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Someone asked the question, but what is the answer? What is the key? What is the secret to true victorious living in Christ Jesus? I can answer that question in just five simple words. What are they? Be filled with the Spirit. Now this morning, I want to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or we can say the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, the continual fullness of the Spirit, and speaking in tongues. Now this morning, if I were begin to walk amongst you, going from section to section and row to row in this great congregation, asking this one question, what is the greatest need of the body of Christ Jesus at this present time? Next, in that one question, I'm sure that I would get many different answers. However, I believe that the greatest need of the body of Christ Jesus at this present time is this, that every, and that includes you, that every believer in the body should be filled with the Spirit and to walk in the continual fullness thereof on a day-by-day basis. Because if this would happen, then I believe that everything would take care of itself. I believe that is the greatest need. Some would say, but I believe what we need is love because we've got so many in the church world that are fussing and fighting. We have so many isms and schisms and splinters and splints. What we need is the love of God to begin to flow. Well, guess what? Romans chapter 5, verse 5 declares that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. Some will say, but what we need is joy because too many of God's people, they've lost the joy of the Lord. They look like they've been baptized in pickle juice and weaned on sauerkraut juice. They've lost the joy. Well, guess what? Romans chapter 14 verse 17 declares, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
Some would say, well, we need his strength. We work all day long, all week long. We're tired. We're weary. We're exhausted. We need strength. Well, guess what? Romans chapter 8, verse 11 declares that the Holy Ghost will quicken your mortal bodies. Some would say, well, what about this? And what about that? It doesn't matter. You see, beloved, everything, I said everything, everything that you as believers need can be wrapped up in the fullness of the Spirit. Everything you can mention, I can come at you with chapter and verse and let you know that everything we as believers need is wrapped up in the fullness of the Spirit. You say, what do you mean? Well, we're drawn to the Lord in salvation by the Spirit. We're baptized in one body by the Spirit. We're justified by the Spirit. We're sanctified by the Spirit. We're lifted up by the Spirit. We're directed by the Spirit. We are refreshed by the Spirit. We are restored by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We are blessed by the Spirit. We have unity in the Spirit. We fellowship by and in and with and through the Spirit. Hear me, but it's time to get filled with the Spirit. Come on, shout amen. I'm talking about a spirit-filled church. You see, Jesus, our Lord, he started the church the way that he wanted it, and he wants it the way that he started it, and that is a spirit-filled church. You see, beloved, the greatest gift there is to the child of God is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You say, wait a minute, I thought salvation was the greatest gift. Salvation is the greatest gift there is for the sinner, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift there is for the child of God. You see, the Heavenly Father gave the great gift called His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave the gift of the baptism with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost gave the greatest gift of speaking with other tongues. You see, my friend, this is so very, very powerful. You say, but can you fully explain the baptism with the Holy Ghost to us? No, I cannot. And there's no one that can. You see, the baptism with the Holy Ghost cannot be fully explained. But hear me, the baptism with the Holy Ghost can be fully experienced. Come on. Well, what can you liken this unto? What do you mean? What is the baptism in the Holy Ghost? The baptism in the Holy Ghost is a complete permeation of, a complete saturation with the fullness of the Spirit of the living God. And when this happens, hear me, you will never, ever, ever be the same again. It's an invasion of the mighty Spirit of the living God into your life. I'm talking about spirit, soul, and body. Well, what can we liken the baptism in the Holy Ghost unto? My friend, the baptism in the Holy Ghost can be likened unto many things. For example, it can be likened to Jeremiah 20, verse 9. It's fire shut up within my bones. It can be likened unto Ezekiel 47, verse 5. It's waters to swim in. It can be likened into John 7, verse 38. It's rivers of living water flowing out of your belly, out of your innermost being. It can be likened into 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. It's this treasure that we have in earthen vessels. It can be likened into Ephesians 1, verse 13. It's the earnest of our inheritance. It can be likened into Ephesians 3, verse 20. It's the power that worketh within us. 
Let me give you one more. It came in like it in 1 John 4, verse 4, and greater is he that's within you than he that is in the world. Come on, shout amen. But Brother Johnson, aren't you trying to build some major doctrine out of some isolated portion of Scripture? What are you talking about? I'm talking about all through the Word of God. There is prophecy after prophecy and promise after promise concerning, concerning, concerning this glorious gift of God. How many know it's a glorious gift? Come on now. Nothing to take lightly. It is a glorious gift of so many prophecies and so many promises. You say, what do you mean? Let me give it just a few, okay? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist talking about Jesus said, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you love the Lord? Those weak, low-key, and pathetic. I said, how many of you love the Lord? Oh, yeah. Then, my friend, know this. The baptism of the Holy Ghost for every believer is not an option. It's not a choice, but rather it is what? A commandment. How do you know that? His word. John chapter 14, verse 15, 16, and 70, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit when he said this. If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. He goes on to say, and I will, a continuation of that sentence. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, the Holy Ghost, which will abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, for it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we find these words, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded his disciples. He did what? He commanded them, and Jesus commanded his disciples that they not depart from Jerusalem, but that they wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days since. There's so many prophecies, so many promises in the word of God. John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. Everybody shout expedient. That one word expedient means it is vital. It's imperative. It is a must. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, the Holy Ghost will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, how many of you know there are many, many promises in the Word of God? But guess what? There's only one promise in the Word of God that is called the promise. Now, what is that? I'm talking about five times in the Bible. We find the phrase, the promise. One time in the Gospel of Luke, three times in the book of Acts, and one time the the epistle to the Galatians. Five times the mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit is referred to as the promise because it is that very special, the promise, and it belongs to you. Acts chapter 2 verse 39 says, and the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those that are afar, even as the many as thy God shall call. But who can receive the promise? It says, for the promise is unto who? You. 
Guess what? You qualify. And I've seen the young and I've seen the old. I've seen those as young as three years of age baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. And for the longest, I thought my grandmother broke the record because I prayed for her and she was 93 years of age. She was a Baptist. I prayed for my grandmother. She became a 93-year-old Baptocostal. Come on now. I said, oh, that's the record. But I was preaching in Cambridge, Maryland, and one brother came up. He said, oh, my dear brother, he can barely walk, barely talk. He said, my brother, I've been seeking the baptism with the Holy Ghost for over 70 years. I said, something's wrong here. Come on down. I said to myself, I didn't tell him, but I said, brother, you've not been seeking. You've been just hanging around the altar. Come on down. But I laid my hands upon Brother Rollins at 96 years of age, and God baptized Brother Rollins in the Holy Ghost and fire with the evidence of speaking with the tongues. Come on, shout amen. But my friend, this is a gift, a gift. Everybody shout a gift. It is a free, free gift. Hallelujah. Now, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, we say the Holy Spirit, same thing. Just different wording, wordings there. But when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, what's going to happen? Are you ready? Let's try it again. Are you ready? Yes. Now, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, something's going to happen. Number one, you shall receive what? Power. Come on, say it again. Power. Say it again. You shall receive power. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, what kind of power are we talking about? I'm not talking about a few kumbayas or a few chandeliers or chandeliers. I'm talking about the power from on high. I'm not talking about a power so you can come around the altar once every 15th week and shake and jerk and have an emotional catharsis. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a power that calls you to stand strong and bold. I'm talking about a power that calls you to look hell in the face and say, you can come against me with your best, but your best is not good enough. Come on now. I'm talking about a power that calls you to live right, do right, talk right, spit what, and pay your tithes. Hallelujah. Oh, can somebody show the power? Now, what else? You shall receive power. And number two, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall what? Be my witnesses. Come on, say that. Be my witnesses. You're going to want to tell somebody about Jesus. You don't want to tell them it's Jesus. Come on, say that name, please. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it like you know him. Jesus. Say it like you love him. Jesus. Come on, say it, made the devil mad. Jesus. I mean, you're going to be a witness. Your life is going to say, hey, I belong to him. I mean, when you're so filled with the Spirit of God, people are going to look at you and say, hey, there's something about that woman. There's something about that man. I know they've been with him. I mean, your life is going to be a witness. You're going to shine. But you shall be my witnesses. Be my witnesses, honey. Maybe you don't drive a BMW, but you can be one. Be my witnesses. Come on now. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about when you feel the Holy Ghost, you're going to be a witness for the Lord Jesus. Come on, shout amen. Oh, glory to God. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, what's going to happen? Number one, you shall receive what? Power. Number two, you're going to what? Be witnesses. And number three, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Are you sure? When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, what's going to happen to you? 
Somebody said trouble. <laughs> yeah. Your hell's going to come against you, but guess what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Hell may have sailed, but you're going to prevail. Come on now. Yeah. But you're going to receive power. You're going to be a witness. And are you ready for this? And here it is, number three. You're going to speak in tongues. Woo, I love that. Hallelujah. You're going to what? Speak in tongues. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. It is to say, and they spoke in tongues. It says, and they began to speak with tongues, honey. It was an ongoing, continuous thing. Come on. Why does the devil hate tongues so much? Why do you think the devil has brought so much confusion and division and splits in the church world concerning speaking in tongues? Because he knows something that most of God's people still don't know. He knows there's power, wonder-working power, and speaking in tongues. Amen. And there's so much in the Bible concerning speaking in tongues. But Jesus, our Lord, he was the first person in the New Testament that mentioned speaking in tongues. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils and they shall speak with new tongues. The Bible calls it new tongues. The Bible calls it other tongues. The Bible calls it diverse kinds of tongues. But you shall speak with tongues. The apostle Paul had much to say concerning speaking in tongues, especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, Paul said, But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. In verse 5 of that chapter, Paul said, I would that you all, he was southern, I would that you all spoke with tongues. In verse 18, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. In verse 39, Paul said, forbid not to speak in tongues. Beloved, as I've stated the word of God, as I stated this holy word, I found there's at least 21. 21 reasons why we should speak in tongues every single day in our private time of devotion. Is it powerful? Oh, yes, it's so powerful. Why do you think that the writers, every writer of the New Testament, they were men who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues? I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, Jude. I mean, these were believers who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. And there were two churches who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. Why is it today that the greatest, yes, the largest, but not just the largest, but the greatest churches throughout the world are churches who are filled with believers who have been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Come on, shout amen. I'm talking about great, great churches like Island Church here in Galveston, Texas. But why should we pray in tongues, speak in tongues, sing in tongues? Every single day. I'm not talking about once in a great, great while. The thing is this. So many of God's people, they think that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a terminal where they've stopped. I've arrived, honey. No, my friend, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a terminal, but rather the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a thoroughfare to greater things in God. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a stepping point, but it's rather a stepping stone to greater things in God. Now, why should we pray in tongues every single day? 
I mentioned there's at least 21 reasons I found, but I'm not going to give you all 21 reasons. You just shout right about now. Come on now. <laughs> but let me give you just a few, if that's okay. Jude 1 verse 20, only one chapter in Jude. Jude verse 20 declares, but ye beloved, how many of you are the beloved of the Lord? But ye beloved, you build yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. You build yourselves up on your most holy faith, how? By praying in the Holy Ghost. You mean to tell me when we pray in the Holy Ghost, it'll cause faith to come to our life? No, 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 no. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But there's some times in our life, the faith in our life has become idle and dormant and passive. Have you been there before? But in those times when the faith of God is in your life has become idle and dormant and passive, you do something about it. What? You stir yourself up. You build yourselves up in your most holy faith huh? by praying in the Holy Ghost. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and of the tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest. And he said, this is the refreshing. I didn't say it, but he said, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. There are times in life when we become, you know, dry. Have you been there before in your walk with God? There's times when you avoid the rest and the refreshing. But guess what? You get shut in with God and take your liberty and begin to pray and praise and worship and magnify him in the spirit. And that divine rest and refreshing will come rushing back to you again. Come on, shout it. Woo! Oh, glory! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 declares, But he bespeaketh, in an unknown tongue, he edifieth himself. Let me quote it again. But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, he edifieth himself. Now, what does the word edify mean? It means to build up or to charge up like you would charge up a weakened or dead battery. Now, what does the word edify mean? It means to build up, to charge up. It means to lift up, to strengthen, to undergird, to energize, and to fortify. How many know that we need this every single day? Come on, church. I'm not talking about waiting to the fourth night of the 17th week of revival or something hits you just right, but I'm talking about every single... You liked that, didn't you? Come on now. <laughs> My little Holy Ghost mama used to jerk sometimes. I mean, the Spirit of God could... Oh, and she just started jerking. I tried the one time and hurt my neck, so I quit. Come on now. <laughs> but you don't have to wait to the... In the third night of the fourth, in the fifth night, the seventeenth revival will something hit you. But every single day you can take your liberty. Paul said, what is it that I will pray with my understanding? And I will pray, an act of you, I will pray with the Spirit every day and get shut in and get what? Edified, built up, charged up, lifted up, strengthened, undergird, energized, and fortified. A number of years ago, I was ministering in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, just around the gulf there on the other side. And I was having lunch with a great, great man of God, Dr. John Hurston. And for close to 50 years, John Hurston, Dr. John Hurston, maybe you don't know him, maybe you've never heard of him, but maybe you know who his boss was. 
For over 50 years, Dr. John Hurston was the right-hand man, the number one associate pastor to Pastor Youngie Cho, the pastor of the world's largest church, close to a million members. And Dr. Hurston was a missionary there in Korea. Pastor Church, Pastor Cho started that church. He stopped being a missionary and came on with him to help build that church. For over 50 years, Dr. Hurston, he worked with labor with Pastor Young H. Cho, the world's largest church. Finally, Dr. Hurston came back to the States to slow down a little bit. We were having lunch together one day. This man up in his 90s. And I said, Dr. Hurston, he said, yes. Such a great, great man of God. I said, Dr. Hurston, you know Pastor Young Cho, the pastor of the world's largest church, better than most men will ever get to know him. And I know in the natural, as many talents, many natural talents, natural skills, natural abilities, but I'm not talking about the natural. I'm talking about the spiritual. I said, what would you say would be the number one spiritual plus factor? The number one spiritual habit, the number one spiritual discipline he has in his life that's caused Pastor Cho to do what he's done all those many, many years for God, the people of God. When I asked that question, that elderly saint of God, Dr. Hershey, he said, leaned up out of his seat across that table. He said, my dear brother, almost with a tear in his eye, he said, I can answer that question to you right now without any hesitation or reservation. I said, what is it? He said, every single day of his life that I've known all these many, many years, if he's got to get up early or stay up very late, if you're sick or well, it doesn't matter. Every day of his life, on top of praying and his understanding, he said, Pastor chose praise a minimum of four hours a day in other tongues. Come on, shout amen. How many of that man must be edified? Hallelujah. He must be, oh, come on, shout amen. I'm not saying we get to pray four hours a day in other tongues, but Brother Run, what would happen if every day, if every person that comes to this church, Highland Church, would pray a minimum of 15 to 20 to 30 minutes a day in the Holy Ghost. We could turn not only Galveston around, but turn all of Houston and the U.S. around for the kingdom of our God. Come on, shout. Amen. Oh, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Can I give you one more? Now, I could quote this, but it's so powerful. It is so potent. I want you to look at it, please. Turn Put it up, please, if you're on the screen. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. I'm talking about benefits of praying in tongues. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to get there before the screen does. That's okay. I'll read it. I promise it's in the book. There it is. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, thank God. Woo. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Our what? Our infirmities. In other words, our shortcomings, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we offer the Spirit itself. It should be for the Spirit himself. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings. 
which cannot be uttered, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's read verse 28 also. And we know a continuation. And that's a what? That's a Holy Ghost conjunction. Amen. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I've had some people that quote verse 28 in regards to everything. Well, you know, all things work together for good. And Thelma died, well, all things work together for good. Go on now. So we're in over the dog. All things work together. Honey, that's not what it's talking about. That's not what verse 28 is talking about. What's it talking about? When the Holy Ghost begins to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God, then we know that all things will work together for our good. Come on, shout amen. amen. But verse 26 and 27, what is Paul talking about here? Paul is saying this. There are times we need to pray, but we don't know what to pray about. Have you been there before? Come on, talk to me, church. And you know what to pray about, but you know exactly how to pray about the matter. Have you been there? But Paul is saying when you don't know how to pray, you know what to pray about, you can begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. You can begin to pray in the holy, heavenly language. And the Holy Ghost will make intercession for you, for us, according to the will of God. I may have shared this before. But a number of years ago, I was down in McAllen. McAllen, Texas here. It was on a Sunday night. We were having a great time. I just got through preaching a great, great sermon. It was so good, I wanted to buy the tape myself. It was good. <laughs> and after I preached, I had a prayer line. I was praying for this one and this one and this one and this one. And halfway down the prayer line, all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, pray for Rodney. He needs a miracle. Now, I've got numerous friends across the country named Ronnie. Morning said, pray for Ronnie. I knew exactly what Ronnie he was talking about. Talking about my friend who's pastoring there in the state of North Carolina. He said, pray for Ronnie. He needs a miracle. I said, yes, Lord, I will remember to pray for him. I kept on down the line. The Lord says, pray for Ronnie now. He needs a miracle. I said, Lord, I will. And I felt that burden grip me. I felt there was such a stirring in the depths of my being, a burden to pray for Rodney. And he said, pray for Rodney. He needs a miracle. There had to be a prayer line left. Another 50 or more people to pray for. But I just, since that burden, Lord said, pray for Rodney. He needs a miracle. And church, I forgot about those for a moment. I just turned around. There was an altar there. I just turned around and I dropped to my knees. And when I dropped to my knees, I happened to notice my watch. It was exactly 9 o'clock on that Sunday night, which was 10 o'clock back in North Carolina. I dropped to my knees and said, Lord, I don't know what it is. I said, but Holy Spirit, you know. And I just began to pray into the tongues. I must have prayed in tongues, I don't know, maybe 9, 10, 11, 12 minutes, whatever. I don't know. Just From the depths of my being, it was rising. I'm so strong, Brother Lord, so strong, so strong. And I just began praying. After about, I don't know how long it was. I wasn't watching the, watching the time. 
But after praying in tongues for nine, ten, and twelve minutes, whatever it was, I stopped her. And it was her son. Everything's okay now. What'd you do? I got up. I kept on praying for those in the prayer line. But I was saying, what in the world was that all about? I said, what in the world was it all about? And I was saying, what happened? What's going on? I finally got back to the motel that night about 11 o'clock in McAllen. But I said, what in the world was it all about? And I said, I don't care how late it is there in North Carolina. It was midnight in North Carolina. I said, I'm going to call Rodney and find out. And so I called Rodney, and when I called, he answered the phone the first ring. He said, guess what he said? Hello. Hello. Hey, you got it. He said, Hello. <laughs> You're the winner. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, hello. I said, hey, Brother Ronnie. He said, hey, Brother Annie. I said, what's going on? He said, if I tell you what happened, you won't believe it. I said, yes, I would. Because what happened to me two hours ago. He said, before I tell you, you tell me. I said, okay. I said, two hours ago at a church service, the Lord said, pray for you. He, you need a miracle and drop a knees. And I prayed for a few moments into the tongues. When I finished praying, the Lord said, son, everything's right now. When I said that, all of a sudden, the pastor, that man of God started weeping. The men started, that man of God started crying. Started crying. I said, what's going on? What's going on, Brother Roddy? What's going on? He said, I said, what's going on? He said, tonight, I dropped my wife and kids off of the house. I went on down to the gro grocery store for a few items, and I came back. When I pulled in my driveway, I happened to notice the digital clock there on my expedition. It was exactly 10 o'clock. It was 9 o'clock here in Texas. It was exactly 10 o'clock. And I got out of expedition. When the two men were there, they stuck pistols in my face. They said, give us your money. Give us your wallet, your money clip. Give us your jewelry. Give us your cell phone. Give us your keys. One had the pistols stuck to my head. He said, I gave them everything. And then began to march me to my front door. My wife and kids were inside the house. They marched me to the front door, and one of them had the keys in his hand. He began to put the key inside the lock of my front door. With the key in his hand, started to put it. All of a sudden, he started shaking. Violently, violently, violently. What's wrong with you? The other said, what's wrong? He said, I don't know what I know, but something is said to me, don't you dare go into the house of that man of God. He said, leave him and his stuff alone. They dropped all his stuff. They took off running. Come on, shout him in. But I believe that God spared him and his wife from further robbery, even murder. Why? Because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, sir. The Lord of hosts. Come on, shout amen. Woo! Glory! I close with this. By faith, I close. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, Melchizedek used to be the priest of Salem, is that right? Today, I am. I live in Salem, Virginia. <laughs> right down the road from me is Pulaski, Virginia. Several years ago, a friend of mine was preaching in Pulaski. He was in the middle of a sermon. All of a sudden, a man gets up had to leave the service early. And the man gets up, starts walking out the door. All of a sudden, my friend is preaching. He stops, and he starts speaking in tongues. And the man who was leaving the church service early, he stopped. He stopped, he stopped, he stopped, he stopped. My friend quit speaking in tongues and 
He's waiting upon somebody to give the interpretation because he didn't give it. He said, folks, I just spoke in tongues. If you have the interpretation, give it because it's not coming to me. Somebody obey God. And the man was walking out the church door early. He said, preacher, there is to be no interpretation for that one. He said, why is that? And it just so happened they failed to do the recording that night. So they didn't get on tape. He said, because that message in tongues was for me and me only. This man was a missionary in a remote part of Africa. He'd come back from Africa. He thought, I've been a failure. I've been a flop. He said, my ministry is going nowhere there. And I'm not going back. But you spoke by the Spirit of God in the dialect of the part of Africa that I speak. And by the Spirit of God, you were saying, you've not been a flop. You've not been a failure. You've only been laying the foundation. Go back, go back, saith the Lord, and I will bless you beyond measure. Hallelujah. And other things you said by the Spirit, which is personal, I won't repeat. But my friend, I'll say it again. There's power, wonder-working power in the Spirit. Come on, shout amen. I've got a good friend of mine. His name is Rod. A number of years ago, Rod was driving across the Everglades from Fort Myers over to the south of the state to Fort Lauderdale. He was driving across the section that is known as Alligator Alley in the Everglades. He was getting ready to come into Fort Lauderdale, and the Lord said, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. So being slow down, slow down. And the Lord says, stop the car now. Pull over and stop the car now. Woo, he stops the car. He's sitting there. He said, what is it, Lord? He said, get out of the car. For what? Get out of the car. For what? He said, son, just get out of the car. So Ryan gets out of the car, stands there. And the Lord says, just begin to pray in tongues. It's 100 degrees out here. Oh, my God. I'm by myself. I'm praying tongues in the car, Lord. There's air conditioner there. And the Lord says, lift up your voice and begin to pray in tongues. Stand there. Nobody coming. Trifle wasn't coming. There, all of a sudden, Rod says, okay. And lifts up the hands and just starts praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. He must have prayed in tongues, just, I don't know, maybe about 10 minutes, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in other tongues, just praying in tongues, praying in tongues. Then he stops praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, he looks over about 20 feet away, and he sees the sugar canes begin to wrestle, begin to shake. Sees it, begin to shake. What's going on? All of a sudden, an elderly man keeps walking out of the sugar cane field. He looks at my friend Rod and says, how do you know me? 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 Or I said, know you? <laughs> I know you're here. I don't know. I never seen you in my life. How do you know me? You know everything about me. He said, how do you know me? Rod says, no, I don't. He said, you were talking to me in my language. What language? German. Rod says, I don't know one word of German. <laughs> this man had been raised in a Christian home in Germany. But this man had never, never, never got born again. And since he was in Hitler's army and helped put to death many people at the concentration camps, he knew by growing up teachings that the Israelites, the Jews, were the chosen of God's people. 
And he said, that in, I've, been to, I've been told all night, you've committed the impartable sin of putting to get death. God's chosen people, the apples eye, and there's no forgiveness for you. You've committed the impartable sin. You'll die and go to hell. You'll die. When you die, you'll go to hell. There's no forgiveness for me. He said, but you, sir, you took it wrong. He said, you, he said, you were speaking to me and said, that's a lie from the pit of hell. There's forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness. Today, you can be saved. You can be born again and have everlasting life the Lord Jesus. You've not committed the impartable no, you have not. No, 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 no. He said, sir, is that for I can't be saved? And Ryan said, yes, you can. And right there in the roadway, there in the Everglades, there in Alligator Alley, Ron led that man to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, shout amen, somebody. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, how many of you want to be mighty for God? Come on, shout amen. How many of you want to be a vessel of honor? Hallelujah. How many of you want to be a man of God, a woman of God? Come on, shout amen. Why do you think Peter, James, and John, there were men who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues? Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Charles Finney, there were men who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Catherine Kuhlman, Amy Simba McPherson, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. John Osteen, Kenneth Hagen, Lester Summerall, oh, Roberts and others I can talk about. Oh, they were mighty for God. Why? Because there were men and women who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak with the tongue as the Spirit gave them utterance. Come on, shout, amen, somebody. And I'll say again, this is not an option. This is not a choice, but rather my friend Jesus commanded his disciples and we're his disciples. He commands us to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Woo, come on, somebody shout a bigger amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.